It's Friday, July 24th. I'm Stephen Fee, and this is The Pen Pod, a limited-run podcast from Pen America. On today's edition, unidentified federal agents in American cities. What are the implications for rule of law and for the First Amendment? Michael Cohen is sent back to jail for refusing to sign a gag order, preventing him from writing a book about Trump. How does that square with free speech? And a new book on defending free speech for all hit shelves Tuesday. All that ahead on today's edition of The Pen Pod. Federal law enforcement storm Portland, and the president says there could be more to come. Michael Cohen refuses a gag order and is sent back to jail. And there's a new book about free speech hitting virtual shelves next week. For all this and more, it's time for our weekly Tough Question segment with PEN America CEO Suzanne Nossel. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Stephen. So, Suzanne, I want to start with Portland, where the reporting has been pretty disturbing, unmarked vehicles, and now even video of federal law enforcement snatching folks from the street. Um, as we're recording this, there are now threats to expand that dragnet to other American cities. You know, at the same time, we're seeing demonstrators take to the streets against this incursion, uh, including a wall of moms. You know, how worried should we be about all of this? And what implications does this have for our First Amendment rights? I think we should be very worried. I find it profoundly alarming, you know, as someone who's worked on issues of free speech and authoritarianism around the world, you know, I can think only of sort of Eurasia, China, Hong Kong, the booksellers who were kidnapped uh, extraterritorially in Thailand. These are the tactics of a strong arm regime, honestly. And it's really frightening to hear about this happening on the streets of American cities. And I think the level of alarm is far more muted than it should be. And obviously part of that's the pandemic and all the other things that Americans have on their minds. But I think it falls to the Republicans in Congress. You know, they're people who have fought against uh, authoritarian overreach around the world. How do they feel about it now that it's happening in American cities, the likes of a, you know, a Marco Rubio or a Chris Smith who style themselves champions of human rights and, and yet we don't see them speaking out. And I think that the president seems to feel somewhat backed into a corner and is lashing out and trying to portray our cities as crumbling and in disarray, which is simply not true. You know, it's it's a moment of reckoning and transformation. But I think the, for the leadership of our cities, for the most part, have good control on it and are really engaging with citizens and communities to try to police more effectively. And this undercuts that fundamentally. I think our military leadership ought to be speaking out, even though These officers come from uh, Departments of Homeland Security and Customs and Border Protection. You know, they're wearing fatigues, they're carrying guns. And, you know, it it looks like and feels like, you know, the military taking to American cities. And that's just not something that we have in this country, except under very limited and extreme circumstances. And it's certainly not warranted in this case. So, I'm very alarmed about it. We're joining together with other organizations to protest, and we need to watch carefully. There has been a backlash. There have been people who've spoken out. Uh, We'll see if the president makes good on his threats to move forward with his strategy. My hope is that the reaction will be is sufficient so that he won't. But we need to watch this very closely. We have an election coming up that will, in so many ways, determine 
the future direction of our country and protecting our democratic process at this point is essential. So I want to stick with Trump, but move over to Michael Cohen, his former attorney, um, who was returned to prison uh, because he refused not to write a book about Trump. Um, How abnormal is it for the government to issue this kind of gag order? And what does it tell you about the Trump administration's approach to those who want to write about him and criticize him? Well, it's kind of interesting because there are precedents for prohibitions on criminals speaking out with the media and writing about their crimes in ways that glorify them. And there has been a notion that that's inappropriate, that you shouldn't be able to accrue the proceeds of a book that, you know, it comes off the back of victims of your crime. So there is precedent for some restrictions on that vein, but it seems clear in this instance, especially because it comes on the heels of the White House's fights in court to first ban John Bolton's book and then Mary Trump's book. We were involved in both of those legal challenges, pushing back against a censorious White House and vindicated both times those books have been published. And so this seems to be part of precisely that pattern where the reports are that Cohen has some damning things to say about the president and intends to publish a book and you know, seemingly through federal uh, criminal authorities and, and, and prison authorities, he's being sent back to jail because he won't agree to desist. So to me, you know, that raises fundamentally different set of issues than any normal restrictions on the perpetrator of a crime uh, being deprived of the opportunity to gain notoriety and fame off the back of it. I think this is something very different, uh, you know, that seems clearly motivated by the president's determination to protect his reputation at the expense of the First Amendment. And so I am glad this has been challenged in court. I'm glad the ACLU is on top of it. We have an individual who is being uh, incarcerated, deprived of their liberty because of their intention to write a book at this point, it appears. I mean, one sort of strange aspect of this for PEN America, you know, is is sort of the, uh, you know, I don't know that we ever saw ourselves, you know, rising to the defense of John Bolton or, or, or Michael Cohen. But, uh, you know, here we are and there are vital free expression issues at stake. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, finally, I want to um, talk about your book, Dare to Speak, Defending Free Speech for All, which hits virtual bookshelves um, on Tuesday. You're hitting the book circuit. You know, I'm wondering, you know, what is this book and, and what do you think about it might resonate for people right now? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a book that I wrote over sort of the last roughly year and change, really growing out of so much of our work at PEN America on these very fractious, divisive battles over free speech and sort of my notion of how we need to reconcile the principles of commitment to inclusivity, equality, and justice with robust, uncompromising protections for free speech. And I, I really believe those principles are both fundamental to American democracy and society and the things that we treasure about them and that they can and must fit together and that both sides are really stronger. I think the defense of free speech is strengthened if it encompasses a a commitment to driving forward equality. And I think the movement to eradicate racism 
and enshrine equality is strengthened by recognizing the need for robust protections for free speech. And I mean, honestly, the dust-ups over these issues are constant. I mean, whether it's, you know, the Tammy Duckworth and Tucker Carlson, you know, over his uh, noxious comments about her, you know, what we just talked about in the streets of Portland and the government's overreach. You know, some people want more extensive government regulation of hateful speech and other kinds of speech they think are dangerous, you know, but look what happens when you give the government that authority, they will misuse it. And we know that from American history, we know that from what we see around the world, and we have vivid reminders of that uh, right now today in, uh, you know, July 2020, you know, the whole controversy over cancel culture and the Harper's letter and the resignation of Barry Weiss from the New York Times. What I try to suggest is that you know, while these tensions are inevitable, there are practical, concrete ways that each of us can p- play a role in helping to bring about a more inclusive and equal society, but also defending free speech protections. And I really try to spell out, you know, how you can do that in your daily life, whether it's in the classroom or around the boardroom table or on Zoom or uh, at the at the dinner table with your family ways to use language conscientiously, how to think about the duty of care that you have in a given situation, depending on what your position is, what your platform is, you know, what you need to know about your audience ahead of time before you speak out, what due diligence you ought to do and how to do it to make sure that you don't accidentally blunder into saying something you're going to be uh, called out for and regret. I talk about call-outs, and I believe sometimes they're appropriate and warranted, sometimes they're not. And I explain why and what the alternatives may be in some situations to avoid escalating a conflict over speech. And you know, my feeling is that with some fairly basic uh, adaptations to how we engage with one another, we can bring about a reasoned, robust kind of free-flowing discourse that will allow us to talk about all kinds of tough topics, uh, to butt up against one another, to express our opinions, to have a, a, a give and take that really helps all of us to see things from different perspectives, but without the hostility and vitriol and censoriousness that can erupt sort of in our digital age when we engage on these issues. So my hope is that the book helps keep speech flowing freely. It's it's called Dare to Speak. I think about that a lot because, you know, at a moment like this, it is, uh, you do feel, you know, it's it's a bit daring at times to speak out on certain topics because the blowback can be fierce. But I also think it's extremely important that we do continue to voice even contestable opinions. And so I try to provide a roadmap for how to do that. Great. Well, Suzanne uh, Nossel is CEO of PEN America. Uh, Her book, Dare to Speak, Defending Free Speech for All, goes on sale Tuesday. Run, don't walk. Uh, Thanks, as always, Suzanne. Thanks, Stephen. And that's our episode for Friday, July 24th. Join us next week for the Pen Pod. You can listen to all our episodes at pen.org. Follow us at Pen America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can sign up on our website for our daily Dare newsletter. That's where we track major stories about literature, free expression, and the news of the world. I'm Stephen Fee for Pen America. This is the Pen Pod. See you Monday. <laughs>